Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Well, good morning, friends. How are we doing? Man, it has been a while since I've been up here, and I'm sorry for you because there is a lot of energy and passion coming out of me about what we're talking about uh, today. So hang on tight. We're wrapping up uh, our series called On Brand. And basically what we mean by that is when we're living for Jesus, when we're living on brand as believers, okay, these values that we're talking about just kind of ooze out of us. And I don't know if you get questions very often. I do. Hey, tell me what City Bridge is about. What's it like? And so I have this image that we're going to show you in my brain so that I can answer that in a way uh, that's hopefully helpful to folks. And so it's an image of a bridge, okay? And across the top, it has our mission. It says, calling all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. And then that mission is supported by uh, the great commandment in Matthew 22 and the great commission in Matthew 28. And then as we pursue that mission, these are the values that should be oozing out of us as a church. We've talked about living authentically. We've talked about basing our lives on the scripture, living in community, making disciples. And today we are gonna talk about engaging and specifically engaging with those people who are far from God. And as I think about those five values, folks, I love our church. I love our family. I would go through those first four and say, I do think we're characterized that authenticity is an actual value, that we're living in the scripture, actual value. We're living in community, actual value. We're not doing it perfectly, There's, we're not. But man, our heart is, is growing in those things. Making disciples, yes. And I get to the engage thing and I have questions about, is this an aspirational value for us or is this an actual value for us? And so my heart today is that we would grow that value so it moves up another notch from being aspirational in my life and in your life to being actual and this becomes part of what we do. So let's pray together and ask that God would do that. So Father, would you, as we open your word today, as we connect with each other, as we've always already sang great songs about your love for the lost and your pursuit of people, Father, would you transform our hearts? Would you transform our church that we would be great at engaging with those people who are far from God? And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, it's kind of a human nature that we celebrate those things that we value, right? So I can just give you a couple of examples. Somebody graduates from school, we throw a celebration, right? Uh, Our sports team wins a championship and we throw a parade. Uh, The Rangers uh, win the West today over the Astros, right? For the first time, let's hope that's true. That's not done yet. Okay, but we, but we celebrate. That was just a cheap shot at DeMarv and David Gentiles, just so you know. Okay, um, we, we celebrate that, 
right? We celebrate those things. We celebrate when in, in our corporations, a salesperson brings in a lot of revenue. And then Taylor Swift shows up at a Kansas City Chiefs game and the world goes berserk, okay? I mean, the number of people now that love the NFL because of Taylor Swift, Swift is off the charts. I need to call him. One of my good, good friends has a son that's in charge of social media for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I need to call and just check on him, right? And see if he is okay, but we celebrate what we value. Well, that happens on earth, but that's no different than what happens in heaven. It says in the scripture that the angels celebrate things that they value. When lost and valuable things are found, they celebrate. And specifically, when valuable lost people are found, the angels throw a party. And it's a really big deal. And so heaven celebrates when lost things are found. And so today we're gonna talk about a parable in Luke chapter 15. And the first thing you need to know is Luke chapter 15 has three stories in it that are basically driving home the same thing. Something is lost and now it is found. And so Jesus is trying to illustrate something that he wants us to grow in as we do that. And so that first chapter, the first story in chapter 15 today, we're gonna look at, and it's gonna help us know how to get better at engaging with those people who are far from God. And you may be sitting here and you may be saying, well, I'm not around a lot of people that are far from God. Or you may be here and saying, I'm always around people that are far from God. Sometimes as Christ followers, we can kind of get in our little, our little holy huddle, our little bubble, and not engage with those people that are far uh, from God. But there are hurting people all around you. Let me just remind you of that with some stats. Anxiety affects 42 million adults. Depression, 21 million adults. Addiction, 46 million adults, or 16.5% of the population. Six out of 10 marriages would be characterized as unhappy. We know somewhere around the 50% mark that those end in divorce and there's downline consequences uh, from that. We've got students that are wrestling with identity issues. We've got prodigal teenagers. We've got prodigal adults. And so there are people all around you that are hurting. And I want you to remember today that if you're a Christ follower, you have the answer for them. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the answer for helping those people that are around you start to get better. It's not an instant fix. All the problems don't go away. All the depression and anxiety doesn't get better in a day or a week or a month. It takes us a long time to get to those places. Sometimes it takes us a long time. But what you have, what I have, what we have as a church is the answer to help those people get healthy. And so here's the problem is that I, I have a heart problem and maybe better said is I have a, I have a God problem. Okay, is that my heart for those that are far from God don't match what Jesus is about to teach us. 
And here's the thing, as Christ followers, Jesus gets to set the bar, right, for how we respond and how we act in relation for those people that follow God. And so the question for this morning is, what can we do about an apathetic, kind of disinterested heart? And I just tell you, just confess, as we get started this morning, I knew a couple of weeks ago that I was teaching this value and, and my awareness and thoughtfulness about engaging the lost went up several ticks because I knew I was gonna be communicating to you this thing, but it was also very convicting because the weeks and months before that, I, I was apathetic and had stopped looking for opportunities and being intentional for opportunities to have spiritual conversations. And so here's what we're gonna look, do today. We're gonna look at how we develop a heart for folks that are far from God. We're gonna look at how we engage the lost. And then at the end of the service today, we are gonna stand and sing, and we are gonna celebrate the significance of our salvation the salvation of our friends and what God has done for us. And I hope we lift the roof off of this place because it's so significant what God has done for us. So let's jump into Luke 15. If you've got your Bibles, open them up. We'll have it on the screen, but it's Luke 15 verses one through seven. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. That's Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so if you have a little bit of a heart problem on this, like I do, I just wanna tell you the book of Luke is a great place for you. It's Jesus's, it's where we get the best depiction of Jesus caring for people, of showing compassion, of loving people that are far from God. And here in Luke 15, three stories, right? Jesus goes after the one of a hundred. The next story, the, the uh, widow loses one silver coin of the 10. And then in the prodigal son story at the end of chapter 15, there's two, there's two sons and the father's waiting for that son to come back and, he's, and he celebrates. Here's the point. Okay, lost people matter to God and lost people ought to matter to us. And so it's a vow we can raise. We can move from aspirational to actual at City Bridge in engaging the lost. And so let's talk about how we develop a heart for the lost. Let's look again at verses one and two. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Okay. So we, we got two groups here that are happening. We've got the Pharisees, we've got the scribes and these are kind of the priests of the day. And so these are the guys that appear righteous, okay, but are lost from Jesus' perspective. 
They're saying, pointing fingers at the others that are eating dinner, hey, they're outcasts. They're untouchables. You can't, don't eat with them. You can't eat with them. And then they're concerned about Jesus either from a competition's standpoint or from a heresy standpoint. Like they're paying attention, what's his message? Then you got this other group that's at the table that he's eating with, that's tax gatherers and sinners. And they're attracted to this new rabbi that's on the scene. And so why do you think they're attracted to him? And they're not attracted to the other religious people. It's because Jesus's message and his life match. There's authenticity, there's integrity to his life. And everybody's saying, this is one who teaches with authority. And then he values them as individuals. The religious people would never eat with us. And he's sitting at that table right there with all of those folks who are the untouchables and they feel valued and they feel like it's worth it. And so Jesus loves hanging out with people that are far from God. And we should, if we want our heart to match Jesus's heart, we should love hanging out with those people that are far from God. So how do we do that? So here's the first thing that I wanna tell you, every message I get to teach, I just wanna keep reminding you, you wanna keep pursuing and growing in your relationship with God. It's the first thing that you can do because as you start to grow your heart for God, as you spend time with him in the scripture, praying, having fellowship, what happens is your understanding of who God is begins to grow. There's a growing awareness of God's holiness, right? And who he is. And as that starts to grow, you also start paying attention to the fact that, hey, I don't have it all together, right? I am not righteous. I, I, I wanna do the right things, but I can't do the right things. And what happens as our relationship with God grows and we start to understand our depravity, look what happens to the cross. The cross continues to grow and grow and grow, the significance of it. We start to understand the significance of God's love for us, okay, and God's love for other people. And as we understand that in our brain, we understand our depravity, it helps us grow our love for God. It also helps us be reminded that every single person lives forever somewhere. The person that's next to you at work, the person that you get in the elevator with, the person that's at the desk next to you in school, your teammates, we're all gonna live forever somewhere and the consequences and the significance of not knowing Christ is significant. And that's not to be manipulative, that's not to be showy, it's just true. And so having that mindset for us is really, really important. So as we, we grow our awareness of God, as we grow our awareness of our brokenness, our love for God grows, the significance of the cross grows, the cross grows, and it's illustrated really well. Luke 7, 47, a little bit before Luke 15 just says, this is the woman who wiped Jesus's feet with perfume. And the passage just says, therefore I tell you her sins 
which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And just to paraphrase that, he who understands that they're forgiven much loves much. And so when we understand the separation, it grows love in us. And it's really the story of my life. For some of y'all that kind of know my story, I grew, I grew up in a house, okay, uh, that was full of what we called the suck it up syndrome. That's what we called it, okay? And that was, hey, you don't cry, you don't let somebody know you're hurt. The only feeling that you're allowed to feel is when you score a touchdown, you can jump up and say, yay. And so that's the, that's the way I grew up, okay? And so what happened is that hardness of heart, that calloused heart gets projected onto other people, okay? And you can hurt people. And empathy and compassion for folks that are hurting is not there. And so many years ago, this was, the Lord pointed this out with the help of some friends. And so I've been on a journey for a lot of years to try to untangle that suck it up syndrome so that my empathy and my compassion and my love grows. And I've still got a long way to go. And Luke has been helpful for me as I've studied that book. And so my question was, hey, how do we grow that? The first thing I would say you wanna do is you wanna confess that, hey, God, my heart does not match Jesus's heart for the lost. And the second thing you want to do is you want to keep growing in your knowledge of God. And so here's the question for you. Are you spending time with people who are far from God? And so several years ago, I looked up and I was hanging around Christ followers all the time. I was with believers all the time and I was convicted, okay, that I was not doing this. And so I joined a tennis league. I wanted to be around some guys that cussed and threw rackets and yelled at you and told you you were hooking them when you called the ball out and it was in and all that kind of stuff. And so for the last three years, okay, I've been playing in a little tennis league and I've developed a ton of friendships. Okay, I've had opportunities to invite guys to church, okay, and had some really significant spiritual conversations, but I had to be intentional. I had to do that on purpose. Others of you, you don't have to be intentional about being around them, but you probably have to be intentional about having conversations and moving the conversation forward. And look, don't look at this like, oh gosh, Kyle, you sacrificed so much to go join this tennis league. <laughs> right? it's like, I like tennis, okay? I need fitness, right? And it just is great that I get to hang out with guys that throw their rackets. And it gives me an opportunity to kind of have my head on a swivel and say, hey, is there an opportunity here for me to engage in a conversation that might lead to a conversation about the gospel? And so Jesus in Luke 5, again, the book of Luke, Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come, Jesus is saying, the reason I have come is not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All right, so how do we do it? So the rest of the service is gonna be application because this is something that we can really easily feel guilty about. Oh no, here's another conversation about evangelism. I'm not interested in manipulating or guilting anybody. 
This has gotta be a heart thing first. But we also need to develop some skills and a plan for how we are going to do this. So let's read verses three through five of Luke 15. So Jesus told them this parable, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. So first thing, a parable is just a story or an illustration, okay, that, that illustrates a moral or a spiritual lesson. And so we read that and it really doesn't sink in. The guy had a hundred sheep and he lost one. What's the big deal, okay? Well, to them in first century Palestine, that's their livelihood, right? One sheep is a really big deal to them. And so they make sure the other 99 are okay and they go after the one. And so really Jesus gives us, as you study this parable, Jesus gives us a really simple application. Look again. It says that he goes after, okay, the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder. So let me give you the steps, okay? The first is that he goes after. Jesus is initiating. He's making a plan to go find the lost sheep. He initiates. Okay, the second, until he finds it. My hunch is that sheep was not in the first place that he looked, okay? He's relentless, okay, in his pursuit of the lost sheep. So he initiates, he's relentless in the pursuit, and, and then he lays it on his shoulders. So he didn't go slap that sheep. Okay, when he found it, he wasn't angry. He was excited that he had found the lost one. So he literally puts it on his shoulders and he carries it back to the flock. And it's a great story. And it says that he's rejoicing in that parable that the lost is found. We know the prodigal son, when the son starts coming back, the father's looking out the window and runs to him to say, welcome home, welcome back. And so uh, see if I can help you get the feeling of this a little bit. This is, oh, I don't know, 15, 17 years ago, this was when Kyle and Trish were clueless beach parents. Okay, it's what we were. So we go to the beach. We didn't understand that beaches are like super crowded. We didn't understand that there were currents even at three or four feet out in the ocean. And we weren't smart enough to tell our children, hey, there's 500 umbrellas here and they all look alike. So you can see what's coming, okay? So we set up shop on the sand. We tell Kendall, who's probably seven at the time, she's, hey, can I go in the water? I was like, sure, you can go in, but stay three to four feet right here in front of us and, uh, and you'll be great. And so she's out there playing. And so I'm hanging with the other girls or talking to Trish or whatever. And so we look up and gone. We, we don't know if she's drowned. We don't know if she's been eaten by a shark. Okay, we don't know if she kind of came back up on the beach and went the wrong way, didn't see our umbrella. And so what do you think happens in that moment? All the breath, all the blood drains out of you and nothing but fear kicks in. 
right? It's like all the stories are running through your head. And then all of a sudden we get focused. Trish and I look at each other. Okay, we gotta go. So you go that way, I'll go this way, okay? And folks, it was 10 minutes, okay, before we found her. And she was walking back up the beach as I was walking down in tears and all kinds of things like that. But what happened in that 10 minutes? Okay, I could not have been more focused on one thing that was lost in my life. Now look, we scarred her for life. She hates the ocean now, <laughs> okay? And she won't go in two feet anymore, right? But it just illustrates, it's what Jesus is trying to illustrate for us is that he cares deeply about the lost, that he gets focused on the lost. And he wants the scriptures tell us that he wants every single person that has ever been born on this planet to be in an intimate relationship with him. And so when you walked in today, you got uh, an engage card, I hope. And if you didn't, on your way out, we'll have them. So if you've got that, I want you to pull that, pull that out, if you would, okay? And the first thing that we have to grow in is we wanna actualize this value is we have got to grow our prayer life for those people who are lost. So I'm gonna tell you a little story here for just a second, but I want you, if you can, if you've got that thing and you've got a pen, I want you to write the names of the people that are friends, family, coworkers, okay? That are kind of top of mind for you. I want you to write them down on the back of that card where it says pray on the back, okay? And if you didn't get one, you can get one on the way out. But there's a, it says pray, and there's a list of eight or nine blanks there. And I want you to write those names down. I will tell you a story about D.L. Moody, who was a great 19th century evangelist. He kept a list, just like this, of a hundred people that were far from God. Okay, and he prayed for them every single day diligently. And when one would come to Christ, chose to follow Christ, he would kind of check that off, okay, and continue to diligently pray about the rest. And on the day he died, 96 of his 100 had come to faith in Christ. And at his funeral, the other four came to Christ. And folks, the first place that we're missing it when we think about engaging the lost is we are not praying for the lost. And I'm not near as smart as D.L. Moody, so I've started with five, okay? And the last couple of weeks as I've been getting ready to this message, there's five people on my list and I'm praying every single day that God would allow them to come to Christ. And I just wanna stop for a second. And I know there's some folks in here, there's a lot of folks at our church that have been faithfully praying for family and friends that are far from God for a long time. And you have been faithful to do that. You've been faithful to share the gospel and it still hasn't happened. I just wanna tell you, don't give up. Keep praying, get other people praying because the best way that we're gonna actualize this value at City Bridge is that we grow our prayer life. Second thing, that's on the other side of your card is that we need to initiate conversations and initiate friendships, okay? You know how to do that. You know how to start a friendship. I'll tell you, my wife, how do we say this? Um, every couple of years has a healthy obsession. 
okay? And so for a while, it was uh, flowers. We've got a great yard. It's all because of Trish. And man, she watches hundreds of YouTube videos. A couple years later, it became skincare. Hundreds of videos, and now she's really knowledgeable about skincare. This year, she decided it was gonna be vegetable gardening, okay? And so I spent a lot of my weekends in the spring setting up a vegetable garden, helping her do that. And she wasn't sure what variety of tomato that she wanted to grow, so she chose a bunch of different ones, and she chose four or five of each kind, and over the course of the early spring, our kitchen turned into a greenhouse, okay? Because it was too cold to put them outside. So at some point she says, hey, I can't plant all these. I like this one, I don't like this one. What's she gonna do with the other 20? She goes door to door in our neighborhood. Hey, we haven't met before. I live at 5417, you know, right there. And man, would you like a tomato plant? That's weird. <laughs> but it worked, okay? And so we've got all these new friends in the neighborhood now that are talking to Trish, okay, about her vegetable garden. Folks are coming over, let me see it. Oh good, they're having conversations. And she started some conversations. There's a lot of Indians in our neighborhood that are Hindu by faith and we're having conversations with them about their faith. Josh Fortney is a member here and my son-in-law live right next to each other, okay? They're both kind of sports nuts. And so they're thinking about how can we develop some relationships in our neighborhood? They start a fantasy football league for the neighborhood. They pass out cards in the neighborhood and a month ago at my son-in-law's house, they have 18 new neighbors at their house. The wives came over, we're hanging out with the wives, the guys were doing the graph. Josh wanted me to tell you he's in first place, okay, just so you know. Okay, and they've got these new relationships. Folks, we've got a ministry here called neighboring, okay? We've got to grow our ability to initiate friendships and relationships with lost people so we might have the opportunity to talk about the valuable things that are far from God. The next thing on your card, just kind of the next step is you need to get to their story. People love to talk about themselves. Get to know them. What are their needs? Okay, how can you meet those needs? Listen attentively for those needs and look for opportunities to meet needs or to share your story. Hey, here's my story. Here's where I grew up. Okay, here's how I became a Christian. That's a really important part of my life. And then a great question, if you don't have just something in your brain is, do you have a faith? As you've gotten to know them, just, I, I, I can just say, hey, man, I, this is a really important, important part of who I am, is that I, I'm a follower of Jesus. And do you have a faith? And you're often running on the conversation. And then the last thing is just to share the gospel when you get, when you get the chance to do that. Yeah, and I'm just gonna do that right now. I'm gonna throw, if you wanna take a picture of it, that's great, okay? But I'm just gonna really simply share the gospel to give you an example of what you can do. It's what we get to do at the clinic almost every single time that we're there. But here's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's what I professed to believe and put my faith in when I was 15, okay? I came to understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him 
would not perish or have everlasting life. So that God is a loving God and that God is also holy. And he cares deeply about everybody that he's ever created. And he created man out of love, but love, but man rebelled against that loving God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 said, for the wages of sin is death. So that, that separation we have for God means that we're gonna die. We're gonna die an eventual physical death, but we also are already dead in our trespasses and sins, and we're separated from God. 620, for the rages of sin is death, but the free gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You get to live forever in fullness of life. It's one of the amazing benefits of being a Christ follower. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, we were still sinners, God died for us. And so Jesus went to a cross and that cross drops right in that chasm between a holy and loving God and a sinful man whose wages of sin is death. And John 1.12 just says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And so we have to step of, take a step of faith and trust. We have to walk across that Jesus bridge in order to cross the line of faith to develop a relationship with Christ. I did that when I was 15 years old and it had changed the trajectory of my life. Most of you in this room have done that at some point and it's changed everything about your life. So I've got a friend that I was spending time with and uh, this is probably six or seven weeks ago and he was really struggling uh, with some things. And he just said, Kyle, I hear all the time people, I asked them, hey, why do you believe? Why are you a Christian? And people would often just say, hey, I just believe. I just know it's true, I just believe. And that wasn't satisfactory for him. He was a good kid. And I just said, here's, here's what I would tell you. I said, Ecclesiastes chapter four, I think it's 411. Um, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God's put eternity basically in the hearts of every man. And I think whether consciously or unconsciously, every single person asks three philosophical questions. Why am I here? What's wrong with this place? And is there an answer to what's wrong with this place? I think every human being asks those questions, whether consciously or subconsciously. And I got to tell him, I said, hey, the answer to the first question, why am I here? is that I, I was created by God for a purpose, for a plan. And I have a mission for my life to love and serve God and to love and serve people. What's wrong with this place? Well, those people that God created sinned against God, they were rebellious and independent and it's created a lot of worldwide selfishness and independence that are hurting people all over the world. That's what happened. What's wrong with this place is that man's sinful. And then is there an answer to what's wrong with this place? And we just talked about, you better believe there is. Is that Jesus Christ is the answer to what's wrong with this place. It's the answer to all the anxiety and the depression, okay? And the prodigal kids that are walking around. 
And we, friends, we have the answer. If you're a believer, you have a story to tell. And you should be telling it. And what I hope happens today is you start to 100% of the time, you're faithful to just look for opportunities, okay, to share the, and if it's not there, it's not there. And so I would just tell you, if you're here and you're like, uh, Kyle, I, I love City Bridge, I love God, I love to spend time in God's word, but I'm not doing that. Okay, like I've kind of, that's kind of quarantined off. I'm a Christian, but I'm not gonna do that. That's a huge problem. That's a God problem, right? Because proclamation of the gospel is what we do. It's who we are as Christ followers. I got a great quote uh, from a friend here on staff. It said, if you would have told me two years ago I'd be sharing the gospel, I wouldn't have believed you. And I would say that's for you, not me. But I've shared the gospel with three of my friends in the last month. That person right now is leading your neighboring ministry. It's what's happened to her heart, okay, in the last two or three years as she started to engage. So here's what we're gonna do as we close, okay? Um, I hope that all of you wrote some names down on that little card, okay? And I'm gonna ask you to stand and I'm gonna ask you to represent your friends and your family who are far from God and we're gonna pray. And we're gonna ask God, okay, to work mightily in the lives of those friends and family. And then you're gonna, then we're gonna have you standing and we'll kind of move on to kind of the next thing as we wrap up the message. But let's stand up, let's represent those people who are far from God in our lives. I know we all have them. And let's pray together. So Lord, Thank you for my friends in this room. I know they represent hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of relationships, Father, that are close to them. Lord, would you, we know that you love our lost friends and family. Would you lift the darkness and the lack of understanding they have to know your love for them? Would you allow the light and power of the gospel to penetrate their hearts and minds? Would you allow the circumstances they're in to soften their hearts to you? Father, I pray that each of us in this room would have the boldness to proclaim the gospel to them in a way that communicates your love and your care for them. Would you rescue the folks we're standing for from the domain of darkness and move them into the kingdom of your beloved son. And would you do a work in me, Father, I pray, Lord, that I would 100% of the time, not in a way that's weird or manipulative or anything else, but just be on point to look for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray for our friends and family right now, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.